4: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Hour here on Sports Grid TV. I'm Davis Maddock. You can find me on Twitter at Davis Matic. I'm joined on the show today by Christopher Pacheco. This is going to be an NFL-centered show. We're going to talk a lot of fantasy football. I just did, uh, I think, my third high-stakes fantasy football draft of the season, a team in the Football Guys Players Championship. That's $350 to enter. to first place. Uh, Really the biggest fantasy football tournament uh, out there for for season long. But I want to start with some news and notes stuff today, Pacheco. We actually have uh, a big, big news element coming out of New England. Your boy, Sonny Michelle had Mm off-season foot surgery. Now, the team says that this is just a maintenance surgery not something he needed you know he wasn't uh wasn't in significant danger or anything like that I I don't know if I buy this though like Sony Michel mm-hmm. now I think this is the sixth surgery that he has had since he enrolled at the University of Georgia uh mm-hmm. to play to play football so I I think he has had a, a surgery every year of his career basically I, I I think that uh the cumulative effects of those surgeries are are not great
5: no it- it's definitely not great, Davis, and I, and I think this season specifically, with the COVID situation and everything going, you know that that's happening right now. Um, you would you would think preseason is going to be significantly shorter. Uh, I'm not really sure how training camps are going to work in the NFL this time around. I think there's right. I think there's a good amount that's working against Michelle, um, even if you know the surgery was minor. Um, I'm just I'm not sure how up to speed he can get um, before the season starts. So maybe you start to look at the, uh, at some of the, the New England uh, backfield a little bit more closer like Damian Harris, who, who might actually be the starter <laughs> come come week one. I, I mean, I can't believe I'm saying that, but I think it's a, it's a legitimate possibility with Michelle going down.
4: Yeah, uh, so if we take a look at the New England backfield, you know let, let's assume, I I think a safe assumption is that Michelle is going to miss sometime, right, just based off of, Mm -hmm. like, this dude has – he's had ACL surgeries. He's had foot surgeries. Like, it just seems like his lower body is not quite ready. That You know, the guys they still have left on the roster, um, you know, they have Rex Burkhead, of course. They have James White. And they have Damian Harris. I believe Brandon Bolden is also on the. Uh, I believe Brandon Bolden is also on the roster as well. Though uh, I don't think that he would factor in. Maybe he would though. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brandon Bolden was active and got carries over Damian Harris last yeah. season, while Damian Harris was a a game day inactive. Now, sort of the way I understand the situation is that Damian Harris does understand the offense. It's just that there wasn't really a role for him last season because, you know, Michelle. And Burkhead and White and Bolden, they all knew their roles. They all knew, like, they all have very specific roles inside of the Patriots offense. I think with Jared Stidham under center, though, Pacheco, they're going to be trying to be a little bit less role specific and just trying to have better players out on the field more often.
5: I mean, I I certainly hope so. And I, you know, speaking of of Rex Burkhead Davis, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if he had a little bit bigger of a role if Michelle went down. Um, I, I think. I think Bill Belichick loves the guy. Challenge with Rex is he's he's typically hurt, so he, he yeah. can't have a bigger role. Um, if he can stay healthy, I think he could really be a factor in this New uh, backfield, even uh, above Damian Harris. Uh, we'll we'll just have to see how you know how training camp and, and preseason goes.
4: Well, I mean, you can you can get Rex Burkhead with literally the last pick of any yeah. of your drafts, right? Like he he's there. <laughs> Ah, uh, you know, you could be doing uh, twenty-eight round best ball drafts, and Rex Burkhead would be there, sitting for you at uh, at your absolute final pick. So, uh, that is that is an interesting one. Actually, we'll talk a little bit later about this draft that I did, but I ended up we ended up taking both James White and Damian Harris because you know we were uh, we were not Sony Michelle believers, and just seeing those guys available so late, uh, mm-hmm. we we were uh, definitely interested in that. Okay, uh, more more player news. Kareem Hunt tells. Cleveland media on a Zoom call, he understands that he is the number two running back to Nick Chubb. So, you know, instead of instead of saying, Oh, you know, I am, you know, I want to compete for the start. I, you know, I think I deserve more carries. I wanna get goal line work, Kareem Hunt says, I'm I'm cool being the number two running back which you know good on him obviously right that's that's very cool for him to acknowledge that do you Mm -hmm. think that there's a fantasy takeaway here can we feel better about nick chubb do we feel worse about drafting kareem hunt you know kareem hunt's adp is getting pretty expensive relative to what he is these days you know generally goes in the fifth or sixth round Yeah.
5: yeah I agree with you. I think is it is a little bit rich. Um, obviously, if, if an injury happened and, and Chubb was just was just out of the picture, Hunt would become very valuable. But at this point, we we can't really assume that um, Nick Chubb has been pretty healthy throughout his football career. He's very like very much their number one. Uh, so Kareem Hunt would be relegated to you know just kind of a passing down uh, back, which certainly has you know some value. But I think where he's being drafted right now, it is starting to get rich. So, so you're right. Uh, as far as fantasy implications from this, uh, I would say not really. Um, I, I was expecting Hunt to be the number two um, from the get go, and I guess it is cool to see him kind of understand that and move forward with it.
4: Yeah, uh, and I mean, I still, I still like drafting Hunt. Like, I, I think he will. You know, it would not surprise me if he caught fifty or sixty passes this season. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I. Uh, I also I'm starting to warm up a little bit to our boy Nick Chubb uh, just Mm -hmm. being like you know even if they play hunt a ton I mean he might get 250 carries he might have a season very similar to what Derrick Henry did last year now granted you're Mm -hmm. paying for it you're paying for the absolute ceiling but uh, overall overall I do not hate it.
5: Yeah, I think we we have talked about being a little bit worried uh, on Chubb, and and most of the worry on Chubb is is really the lack of of passing work. Like he's not going to get a lot of catches, uh, if at all. It's the same story with Josh Jacobs, and and you're drafting these guys uh, in the second round, uh, so you're you're going to have to rely on them scoring a, a decent amount of touchdowns, uh, generating you know a good amount of rushing yards. But ultimately, it's it's the touchdowns uh, that are the most valuable. Um, I still, I mean, I still think uh, Chubb has to be drafted in the second round, especially Davis. When you consider, you know, all the ugly names uh, that are at the running back position come round three.
4: Yeah, definitely. Okay, we uh, we have another news item here. This Henry Ruggs injury. It was reported that uh, he got a cut on his thigh helping a friend move. I mean. Imagine being in the NFL and volunteering to help your friend move, Pacheco. I I am a, I'm a fantasy football writer. That's my job. I, I host this TV show. I'm not trying to help my friends move. I'm, I'm too old for that stuff. Henry Ruggs, what are you doing helping your friends move?
5: I would think he could have just, like, paid for a mover or something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a very smart idea. And, of course, uh, he ends up getting hurt over it. But it seems like it's a really, like, a... Uh, not a significant thing at all. So uh not expected to miss time come come to the start of the season.
4: Yeah, not uh, which is which is good, right? We we uh yeah. we wanna we, we want that. Um okay, Rams running back Daryl Henderson has surgery for his uh has you know, basically, was having some ankle troubles last year, which is why maybe why they were uh, they were not pushing him into action, even though Todd Gurley was uh, you know dusty to uh, to put it quite simply. But says that it's going well. Says his rehab is going fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this is I I've only heard positive things coming from the Rams camp about Daryl Henderson. So maybe maybe we uh, should not rush to judgment on Cam Akers being the the full time starter there.
5: Whoa. So what you're saying is Henderson was uh, supposedly hurt last season. Suppo- supposedly
4: it? he had a damaged ankle at some point last year, and he had surgery on it this offseason, and uh, he's doing much better as a as a result of that.
5: Okay, so cor- correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Henderson a like a second round pick for the Rams last year? Yes, like he went he went high in the draft. Um, and then Acres this year went high for the Rams as well. I, I, I don't really know what their strategy is. Of, I mean, I, I guess at this point they have uh, two potentially solid backs, um, so that, that could work out well for them. Um, as far as who would be the starter here, Davis, I, I, I'm, I'm honestly not sure. Um, maybe it's the other back. Maybe it's Malcolm Brown <laughs> uh, because he has yeah. more familiarity with the offense. Um, that, that could certainly be a thing. Um, but I, I guess it is good news that, you know, his, his rehab is going well and maybe just last year could be explained by he was just hurt and, and he couldn't have a role.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 think that, uh, I think that could definitely be the case where Malcolm Brown just ends up being the, you know, the Carlos Hyde, right? The, uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, the stool and the punch bowl where you're just, uh, you're not, you're not feeling happy about it, but it's, uh, it's just one of those things that, uh, ends up happening. Speaking of, Carlos side, we have uh, we have another update. Uh, we have another update from him where he says, you know, no one has any doubts that Chris Carson is the starter in Seattle. You know that uh, that's just gonna that's just gonna be the way that uh, that things go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do I do think, however, there is a little bit of doubt because of Chris Carson's fumbling problems. You know, we know that coaches love. Carlos Hyde. We know that Rashad Penny is going to come back from injury. We know they drafted D.J. Dallas. Do you have doubts that Chris Carson is the starter in Seattle?
5: No, I don't. I don't have doubts that he's going. He's going to be the starter. I think even with the fumbling problems, Davis, I, I, I'm pretty confident that Carson is just the best back uh, that Seattle has. Um, though ultimately, it's going to come down to opportunity uh, over talent, as it usually is. So. If if all of a sudden Hyde is getting the more opportunity in the backfield, you know he's probably going to be the more valuable guy uh, of the two. But week one, I certainly expect Carson to be to be the starter. Week one and beyond.
4: Yeah, I, I I align with that generally. I think you are. I think you are very likely to be correct. Okay, our last news item here: Deshaun Jackson expected to be the top receiving threat for the Eagles in twenty twenty. I I gotta say, no way, no way is he expected to be their their starter uh you know their most targeted wide receiver
5: so this, this came from a beat writer
4: is, is yeah that, this came but, this came from uh nj.com's mike k
5: i i don't know <laughs> I, I don't know about that one um Deshaun, Deshaun jackson pretty much stopped being a threat uh, in 2017 potentially i mean yeah. 2016 was the last thousand receiving yard season i, I don't know davis I, I would do it in best ball uh as far as the sean jackson goes but i don't know about anything beyond that
4: yeah uh i you you can take him in you can take him in best ball i mean you look at the no. Eagles receiving tree. You assume Zach Ertz is going to be ahead. You know they're going to throw a ton to Miles Sanders and to Boston Scott. They've been rumored to be signing Devonta Freeman, another running back who would be getting some targets. They spend the first-round pick on Jalen Rager. They let Nelson Aguilar go, but then you know maybe that just means that J.J. Arcega-Whiteside actually becomes a starting player for them. I mean, I, I actually think... This it the opposite is true where they they if anything they got out of Deshaun Jackson like they would just view that basically as a plus but there's just no way they there's no way they can expect him to be the top receiving threat but maybe maybe mm-hmm. it's a reason to start thinking about him in the second half of uh, of best ball draft so we are now going to go ahead and head into break here on the Daily Rotor Hour when we return we are going to take a look at a high stakes fantasy football draft that I participated in last night breaking down some of the key decisions and uh, getting into this the nitty-gritty of winning your leagues in 2020.
6: dailyrodo.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice, we play every day.
3: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to "Playing Dirty" sports scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. I'm Davis Smatic, joined today by Christopher Pacheco. Gonna take you guys through break down a high stakes fantasy football draft, trying to win half a million dollars on uh, ffpc.com and. Starting just actually from a, from a very base perspective for Checo, we drew the number seven overall slot in this draft, which to me is pretty much the worst spot, the worst spot to get because you're not going to get McCaffrey, you're not going to get Saquon, you're not going to get Zeke, and you're not going to get Kamara. You know that for sure. You're mm-hmm. also probably not going to get Michael Thomas. What ended up happening for us is that we were able to draft Travis Kelsey, and uh, this format on the FFPC is tight end premium you get mm-hmm. 1.5 points per reception for tight ends. Um, so right away, I mean, we know that win rates right now with the way the, the landscape of running backs is you really want a top four or five pick. You really want McCaffrey, you really want Barkley, you really want Elliott, you really want Kamara. You know, you 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 open up your draft and you are picking 7th, 8th, ninth Pacheco. You know, kind of what is your immediate reaction to that? <sighs>
5: Oof, it's yeah, I, I'm mostly in agreement with you. It's it's a tough one. Um I I guess what before Dalvin Cook's uh holdout situation. Yeah.
4: And and Dalvin Cook's holdout, by the way, is is really changed because you don't you don't I mean there's nothing worse. Like you, you miss on your first round pick. You uh you're yeah. just not gonna win anything, right? You're <sighs> you're not gonna you're not gonna win your
5: league. For sure. And I think drafting Kelsey, uh especially in a tight end premium league, just makes all the sense in the world. Um, the other one that I would have considered seriously uh, is Miles Sanders, and I, I don't know how seriously you guys considered him, but that was like that's like the other back um, that I'm really trusting uh, a lot. I would say Joe Mixon as well, but he has that other you know that holdout situation too, uh, which we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, he's he's I'm expecting the Bengals to to to, you know, make him an offer. Um, I'm, I'm just not sure what's going to happen there. So I think Kelsey and Miles Sanders uh, in this spot just make all the sense.
4: Yeah. So what what we went ahead and did was we took Travis Kelsey, you know, just thinking mm-hmm. the the 1.5 PPR, we can, you know, really hammer running backs later. We are going to feel good about wide receivers for pretty much the rest of this draft. So the back half of the first round though, Miles Sanders Pacheco goes ahead of Dalvin Cook, goes yeah. ahead of Derrick Henry, goes ahead of Kenyon Drake. Uh, you know, certainly that was not the case when drafts were going on uh, a month ago. How are you feeling about Miles Sanders going at the one oh eight in these formats?
5: Well, you're that is the a premium price tag for him, right? Like that that's probably the the highest price tag you, you can pay. Actually, I guess he could go seventh uh, ahead of Kelsey, but that's that's probably unlikely, especially on, on a tight end premium league. That's just it's very unlikely that that's going to happen um i I think i feel confident at the 1.08 with miles sanders but as i said you're paying the absolute premium price tag and if dalvin cook didn't have that situation going uh you could expect dalvin cook to go uh before sanders it is interesting uh to see sanders being drafted ahead of derrick henry uh uh, davis given the type of season that henry had uh last season that just goes to show that I, i think people understand uh, he, there's going to be some some regression coming his way.
4: Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely, I definitely do think that. Uh, I definitely do think that people understand that. Um, Devontae Adams lasts all the way to twelve here. Yeah. Uh, so, so back to back picks. Uh, the team on the turn starts Devonte Adams, Tyree Kill. You know, in terms of starting a zero RB draft, uh, I think you, I think you have to feel. Super, super confident. Like Devonte Adams, Tyreek Hill is a really good zero running back start.
5: Devonte Adams, Tyreek Hill is feels like a nutty start uh, to a draft uh, for sure. I, I really, really love that turn.
4: Yeah, I, I, uh, I really enjoy that. So George Kittle goes at the two hundred two. Clyde Edwards Hilaire goes really early in this draft, so he goes ahead of Jacobs, goes ahead of Chubb, goes ahead of Aaron Jones, ahead of Austin Eckler. Uh, how I mean, Clyde Edwards Hilaire at the 15th overall pick, you in or you out at that, uh, at that price?
5: Oh, my goodness. It's so tough because, Davis, every single time we have a show, we're talking about Clyde Edwards Hilaire being drafted so like, early, it, like, like so, so early. It keeps moving, uh, up and up. And I, I don't know, man. I, I get it. Um, I get it. And running back is a really difficult position. Um, so I understand it from that perspective, but uh, I don't know, man. I really, want, I, I would really like Chris Godwin. Like, I would just not mess with running back here, and I would just go with Godwin if I had to choose. If I was that user at that point, I think I would so go
4: that is, uh, yeah. And that's, I mean, that was a real, a real thing. I think that. So we we're coming up here at the two oh six. We selected Josh Jacobs. I think had Chris Godwin had been there, yeah. Even even though we took Travis Kelsey to start with and our running back situation is looking pretty thin, Pacheco, I, I think that Godwin's combination of, like, you know he's catching 80 passes no matter what because he's mm-hmm. going to play that slot role in the Tom Brady offense, but also he has an absurd ceiling as well. I, I yeah. think even knowing running back was going to be a problem spot on this team, I think we still probably want to take Chris Godwin there.
5: I think you would want He's going to. He's going to fall. Into into 80 catches, like just just like by random, like happenstance, he's going to you know fall into 80 catches. So um, I, I love Chris Godwin. I feel very comfortable uh, choosing like selecting him over all of these running backs that have like they don't have weak profiles overall, but you can make cases against them. You know, Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, uh, even Austin Eckler, who, who I like. Uh, but you know, still has a, a pretty decently high ADP as well. Um, I feel I just feel best about Chris Godwin.
4: Yeah, I, I com- I complete I, I think that's so reasonable. So we do take we do take Josh Jacobs at uh, at the 206 and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I feel fine about it. I, I really wish that Jacobs had a a better pass catching floor and ceiling. you know, I view him and Nick Chubb really comparably but you know the the fact that jalen richard is getting re-signed to his contract the fact that they draft lynn bowden you know makes makes things not feel all that good for josh jacobs but at the same at the same time you know you need running backs you you got it you have to secure you absolutely have to secure that uh that position you don't you don't want to yeah. be started you don't want to be starting you know your running back to week one as as james white right like that's yeah. that's not a position you want to be in so i i'm starting to change my opinion on Josh Jacobs a little bit, thinking that you know he's really good in that early down role that they have him uh, in mm-hmm. Oakland?
5: Uh, he's he's really good in, in that role. And, Davis, it, it's all about wear and tear at the running back position as well. You know, Jacobs uh, is coming off a really big year, but this is year two uh, at the NFL level. Like, I'm, I'm not expecting, like, a, a huge amount of regression uh, coming his way. Maybe on the touchdowns, uh, I, I could certainly see it. Um, but like I, I think uh, you know, a, an over a thousand rushing yard, uh, seven to eight touchdown season is is very reasonable for someone like Josh Jacobs. And once you get outside of the second round and third round for running backs, things get you know diceier as as they typically do. So I, I I certainly understand why people are drafting Josh Jacobs and Nick Chubb this high.
4: Yeah, I, I get it. I get it too. Maybe I don't feel. No, maybe I don't feel great about it, but I I understand. You know, I understand why people are. I understand why why people are are doing it. Okay, Austin Eckler goes at the two eleven. I I think, I mean, in in terms of uh, in terms of, like ceiling. Like Austin mm-hmm. Eckler, he actually might have more ceiling than Jones, Chubb, and Jacobs because I mean, like he dude, he could catch eighty passes. That's a real thing that could happen.
5: Well. Yes, the the question is: Are they going to throw it to running backs? Because I, yeah. right, I think that was a right as much. Because I think that was a legitimate concern um, with the quarterbacks that they have in, in the room right now. Uh, I think that obviously the ceiling is is tremendous, um, but I, I I certainly question it. I, I like I don't I don't think he's going. There's I don't think he's a real big dog to catch eighty passes on that backfield. Um, do you think? There's a chance that he could get there.
4: So part of that position is um, is based off of the idea that uh, running quarterbacks don't throw the ball to running backs, right? that 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 guys like Tyrod don't. but actually, Tyrod has been a running quarterback that has thrown the ball to running backs in the past, both in Buffalo and in his short stint in Cleveland, he actually was in like, he was checking down a little bit more and they were designing more throws to running backs when he was, uh, when he was the quarterback. So I, I think there's a chance. And then, you know, Justin Herbert comes from an Oregon system that mm-hmm. uses tons of passes to the running backs as, you know, ways to make quick throws and, and get the ball out of the hands of the quarterback. So, I, I mean, granted, I don't think the offense overall will be as efficient, but I I totally believe that passes to Austin Eckler are still mm-hmm. going to be a huge part of uh, of their offense, basically.
5: So, what what are your thoughts on Lamar Jackson going where where he did? He, he basically went ahead of Eckler, ahead of Evans, uh, for Ned Juju, which I I think those are those are fine. But what were your thoughts there?
4: Uh, I think I think all of these decisions on the turn were mostly fine. So Eckler goes there, um, Evans goes, and then uh, immediately. The, so the guy who just has the one hundred and one, he starts with Christian McCaffrey, then he drafts Mike Evans, then he drafts Kenny Galladay. I think that's all really strong. I think Odell Beckham at the three hundred and two to the guy who starts Barkley Eckler. I think that's a super strong start to a team. The first pick, the 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 first pick of the draft, where uh, I start to mm-hmm. think things just don't make sense, is uh, the guy who selects at the 303 takes David Johnson. He takes him ahead of James Conner, takes him ahead of Melvin Gordon, um, even takes him ahead of Chris Carson, who he actually ends up getting in the fourth round. But I I actually like David Johnson less than all of those guys, Pacheco.
5: Well, yeah, uh, me too. And David Johnson went ahead of Patrick Mahomes uh, in Trish Draft as well, which I don't know, it's just... I guess it's just crazy to see this um, uh, like unfold here. Um, ahead of James Conner too is that's tough, Davis. Because I think Conner could certainly. If you told me Conner was the pick there, I would have been like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Someone reached for him, makes all the sense in the world. Uh, whereas you guys actually ended up taking Conner, which I thought uh, was was really a sharp decision.
4: Yeah, so the the next couple picks of this draft go Zach Ertz, Patrick Mahomes, Todd Gurley, James Conner. Not a ton of debate for us here. We we sort of looked at the decisions. We weighed James Conner versus Melvin Gordon. Uh, my my partner for this draft, Noah Riddell, did like Melvin Gordon a little bit. You know, sees some touchdown upside there, and mm-hmm. and my thinking is. You know, Connor, obviously a younger player. I think the offensive upside in Pittsburgh is higher if Ben Roethlisberger is healthy. I think the downside for both of these guys is similar, where you know Melvin Gordon would be losing touches to Philip Lindsay, James Connor loses touches to Jalen Samuels and Anthony McFarland. Both of those guys are uh, are legitimate concerns. But we are going to go ahead and head into break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. When we return, we are going to keep going through round by round of this high-stakes fantasy football draft and try and pinpoint some of the key decisions that you need to be making to winning your leagues in 2020. So everyone, stick around for a few moments. We will be right back.
6: DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day.
3: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break here on the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Maddox, joined today by Christopher Pacheco as we break down the anatomy of a high-stakes fantasy football draft. Uh, so in the, in the third round, Amari Cooper goes at the, uh, the 309 Mark Andrews goes at the three ten. Um, how do you feel about Amari versus Juju? I I slightly lean Amari, so I I like this. But I mean, let's not forget, Juju was like really going in the first round last year.
5: Mm-hmm. No, certainly. Um, I I'm going to. So I love Juju. Uh, I'm gonna side with Amari uh, between the two. I think where things start to get a little bit dicey with Amari is the fact that. Their draft pick uh, this season in the fir- in the first round, um, they add another receiver, another high-end receiver, Ceedee Lamb, into the mix. Um, so maybe you know things get a little bit dicey at the top of the depth chart for Dallas. But Amari Cooper is it's just too good. So I'm not too concerned, Davis. Um, more mouths to feed into Dallas offense. Uh, whereas Juju, it's it's th- that concern is not there. It's mostly will right. Big Ben be be healthy. And be competent again. I think that's the main concern. Uh, I'm still siding with Amari, but if you took Juju there, I, I couldn't fault you.
4: Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think. Um, I don't think that's like a bad decision. Leonard for uh, this poor this poor dude picking at twelve. So he was not left with much at the running back position. He starts Devonte Adams, Tyreek Hill, which we really liked. But yeah. Pacheco, he takes two players here at the turn who I just have no interest in at all. Back to back takes. Leonard Fournette and Le'Veon Bell. Uh, we're 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 not feeling good about this.
5: Uh, I'm certainly not, I'm not feeling good about Levion Bell here. Um, thought he would slide a little bit more on a high stakes draft, but but he did it. Um, Lenny Fournette. Uh, I just Davis. I don't even know if he's going to have uh, a legitimate job come come week one. because um, he, he might not be in Jacksonville as I, as I understand it. Um, I think he, I, th- so I, I think the odds are in his favor to be in Jacksonville. I just don't know if he will. Um, so I, I don't, I just don't feel good about any, of, any of this, but it's a really tough spot in the draft for, for, for this guy. So, I mean, I guess I get it, but I, I would want to draft someone else. Like if you told me Jonathan Taylor went ahead of those guys, I guess I understand it. at least Taylor's going to have a role, uh, come week one and a decent one at that.
4: Yeah, Jonathan Taylor is going to have a role week one. Uh, I I like Jonathan Taylor. I like Jonathan Taylor a lot more at this price than the price he was going at earlier in the offseason, right? Jonathan Taylor uh, was going where Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was going, you know, before the NFL draft and some of these best ball drafts. So certainly I I think he presents a value there. Then we get a huge wide receiver run. Uh, Calvin Ridley goes... Then Jonathan Taylor, then A.J. Brown, Cooper Cup, D.J. Moore, Allen Robinson, Adam Thielen, Tyler Lockett, Robert Woods, D.J. Shark all go in the fourth round. Pacheco, I think that uh, we got the best one of this bunch in D.J. Moore. We actually were thinking about taking D.J. Moore in the third round when mm. we took James Conner, but thought there was you know maybe like a ten percent chance that he was going to get back to us. Uh, are we are are we still feeling really good about D.J. Moore? You know, kind of the same that we were last year.
5: No doubt about it. I'm I feel great about DJ Moore, especially where you guys drafted him. Uh, I thought that was I thought that was a great price tag. I was a little bit surprised to see Cooper Cup even being drafted ahead of DJ Moore. Uh, but granted, this is like this isn't a dynasty draft, right, Davis? So you're just you're just taking the best guys for this year. Uh, Cooper Cup was plenty relevant, um, especially when he was healthy and and you know before this before this season happened. Um, where basically he didn't have as many productive weeks in the second half of the season. Um, I, but I don't, I don't even have too big of a problem with that. I would, I would have just selected more ahead of him.
4: Correct. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. The only pick in this round that I think is not great, I, I don't like Adam Thielen here at all. I like McLaurin more. I like Lockett more. I like Woods and Shark and Metcalf all oh, way more um am i am i am i missing something do you think maybe uh you think maybe i'm i'm uh, being a little biased here uh
5: so if i understand it correctly you don't like Thielen because cuz he's older and because he's playing for a team that runs the ball a lot is that Yeah, a li- li- little
4: bit older, right? Uh, you know, just mm-hmm. uh like where you're starting to see more downside than upside in his comps. They're yeah. super run heavy. Uh certainly he is going to have number one corner coverage all year long you know they're no one's going to be throwing their number one corner on uh Ola Johnson or Justin Jefferson he's gonna he's gonna have all of that and you know they're gonna start moving uh they're gonna start using Herb Smith Jr. much more than they did last year I think that's part of why they felt confident trading Stephon Diggs away and uh you know I just I think there's maybe the assumption that he's gonna get 160 targets or something and I I don't know if that's really like a good uh, median projection for him actually
5: so Okay. Understandable. Um, what do you think his, his ultimate upside is? The very high end upside for Adam Thielen. So what
4: what you would if you were a big Adam Thielen upside guy, you'd be like, This guy's gonna catch a hundred passes. They okay. are gonna they're gonna do a bunch of slant routes, a bunch of screens. He's just gonna catch so many he's gonna catch, you know, at least six passes a game. Uh okay. and they use him around that. they they do. I will say in the in the Thielen camp corner, they do use him a lot around the goal line in ways that you wouldn't really expect. So, like, mm-hmm. that's definitely, that's got to be considered a positive for him. So I, I, I kind of see that argument for Thielen.
5: So you see 100 catches uh, as far as the upside is concerned for him. Do you see double-digit touchdowns as a potential I, upside? That's, the,
4: that's like his, like, 95th percentile, though I don't, I don't feel uh, super, super great about that happening.
5: So, personally, I'm not as down on Thielen as you are. I think in Dynasty, I tend to be lower on him. Um, on Redraft and whatnot, like, I'm, I'm totally fine selecting him in Seasonal, uh, you know, just the one year. I still think his upside is, is pretty good. Uh, would I select Tyler Lockett ahead of him? Yes. Uh, would I select, uh, you know robert woods ahead of him maybe uh i like woods but i think that i I think the only guy here that i would select ahead of him is is tyler lockett i don't think i would select dk Metcalf uh ahead of him um not that i don't like dk Metcalf, but i I think thielen is is totally fine where he got drafted
4: Uh, okay i mean that's uh so you you think thielen is like i mean DJ Shark versus Thielen, like I like Shark way better, and you you think you think uh, you 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 like Thielen a little bit more there. Like I don't so, think you're wrong.
5: So no, so I think DJ Shark uh, as well could be selected ahead of him. Uh, so I would say Tyler Lockett and DJ Shark are guys that I feel pretty good over Thielen. Um, outside of that, I know you would probably go Woods. Uh, over Thielen too. You you seem to be a, a real big believer in Bob. Wilson, I do, totally I man. I
4: can't I can't help it. I do. I uh I yeah. I love. Uh, I do. I love. I love. I love Bobby Trees as we uh as we call him. Uh, okay, want to want to pick your brain on this one. Raheem Mostert goes five oh three. Uh, that's a that's a, a no way, no way, no how for me. Not interested in that one.
5: <sighs> yeah, that's. That's tough. This is also coming from the same player that drafted David Johnson, uh, where he did Davis.
4: Yeah. So this um, guy, this guy don't care about nothing. He just, uh, you know, he's just out there trying to have a good time.
5: Yeah. So he he went. He started his draft with Zeke, Lamar, and then uh, David Johnson, Chris Carson, and Raheem Moster. Um, so he went really running back heavy here uh, instead of selecting any of the, you know, any of the higher end receivers can't say i check in with this strategy. Um, especially after drafting David Johnson and Chris Carson, uh, I, I would have wanted a receiver. Um, I know it, it starts to get thinner, but the, I mean, Tara McLaurin was still there. Devonte Parker was still there. Um, I like There's no excuse. You should be able to select a receiver there.
4: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. And there, it's not like there weren't good receivers for him to choose from. You know, McLaurin, Keenan, uh, Keenan Allen, Devontae Parker, Cortland Sutton, even Debo, even Gallup. I mean, yeah. I I would rather have Michael Gallup than Raheem Mostert. I really would.
5: Yeah, I yeah, I, I just and I like Mostert. I like Mostert. Um, I just think this is a this is like a really premium price tag, and he it, just given the way he had drafted, he had already selected three running backs, uh, but, but, and and then Moser was his fourth, so um, that one is a little bit is a little bit puzzling for sure.
4: Yeah, yeah, just uh, I- extremely puzzling. Okay, our our next selection here. Uh, we we actually do take the aforementioned Cam Akers, which we who we discussed at the top of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely liked Cam Akers more than uh, than Noah did, but I am just I am a huge I'm. Well, first of all, I like Cam Akers. I thought he was so good at Florida State. I think he's yeah. a really talented player, uh, and I think he is a good fit for an offense that wants a running back who can catch passes and run and and do both. Well, but also, you know, I don't think Daryl Henderson is going to be firmly entrenched as a starter. I think fifth-round value for Acres is, um, is pretty solid.
5: I think it is pretty solid, too. Um, here, here is the, the legitimate argument that you can make for Akers, uh, or I, I guess one of them. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of competition. I mean, the, the, Ma- Malcolm Brown and, and Daryl Henderson, for all we know at this point in their in their careers, they're just guys. Um, so there's not a lot of competition and number two, and probably most importantly for acres is he's really talented out of these guys in the Rams backfield. I think acres is by far the most talented. I'm mo- I'm in agreement with you, Davis. I thought he was a great college football player, um, which tends to, you know, tends to be a positive uh, when trying sure. to think yeah. about NFL players. Uh, obviously the opportunity is going to be the biggest thing. So if he can get opportunity, I think he's going to make the best of it. And I, I expect him to get opportunity in his rookie year. Uh, and that's all he's going to need. Because I think, I think we could be talking about Cam Akers being one of the, the more valuable running backs uh, when all is said and done. So I agree with you. Uh, a fifth-round ADP here uh, is really solid. I, I also see that DeAndre Swift got uh, drafted uh, in this round. Uh, and I, I don't hate it either. Davis, you know, especially when all these, I mean, the, the next, some of the next few picks are Devin Singletary, uh, David Montgomery, uh, even Darius Geis, I think, went in the sixth round, uh, in this yeah. draft. So things just start not being great at the running back position. Yeah.
4: I mean, I like Akers more than Swift. I like him more than Singletary. I like him more than Montgomery. Geis, uh, I mean maybe I and then and then you know as the as the draft progresses I mean this is kind of the in the 5th 6th round is where people start to really focus on their preferences which I don't even um I don't even really think is bad or I disagree with I think it's a great idea for people to start drafting for upside in these rounds like mm-hmm. being uh, you know just adhering very closely to average draft position values maybe over time that buys you wins but I'm not sure that it is particularly great uh to be like just scooping up value all the time maybe in like cash game leagues but not necessarily if you are focusing on first place we are going to go ahead and head to break here on the daily roto hour when we return we will head into our final segment and uh, just kind of wrap up this draft as a whole and some of the lessons learned from drafting in these higher stakes leagues so see you in just a few minutes on the other side of break
3: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to break here on the Daily Loto Hour on sports TV, I'm Davis Manick, uh, joined by my buddy, Christopher Pacheco, here in our final segment, running through uh, a high-stakes draft. Pacheco, Tyler Higbee, your boy. Your boy goes ahead of Evan Ingram. So we take our second tight end in the first six rounds, starting our draft with Travis Kelsey, Josh Jacobs, James Conner, DJ Moore, Cam Akers. And because the value of Ingram was too great, we uh, we didn't take Will Fuller. We didn't take Mike Gallup. We didn't take Steph Diggs or Marquise Brown. We just we scooped up the value of Evan Ingram there in the sixth round.
5: Uh, I certainly love it. Um, the only ne- Here's the only negative thing that you can say about Evan Ingram. He gets hurt. Um, so if yeah. you believe that that's going to continue, uh, it, it's probably not good value because he's, he's not going to play every game. But in the games he plays, Davis, he's always typically very productive. Um, so I, I love Evan Ingram. I, I, he reminds me a lot of if if we could make a comp. He's like the the Keenan Allen earlier in his career of, of tight ends. Keenan Allen always used to be hurt. And then all of a sudden he's not. And so hopefully that's the case for, for Evan Engram. Love the value that you guys out of this one. Uh, I, I think Tyler Higby being selected ahead of him is certainly rich. Uh, but Tyler Higbee's my board. I think the upside for Higby is tremendous. And I think you can make a case of drafting Higby over Engram. Over so I don't hate it.
4: Yeah, I mean, I I like I like Ingram quite a bit. Ingram in these leagues last year was going in like the third round, fourth round. People were really expecting uh, a a a ceiling boost for him. So I mm-hmm. I really like getting Ingram here. My boy Damian Williams goes. Michael Gallup goes in the sixth round, which is uh yeah pretty pretty early from for Gallup, but I I kind of love it. I I love the uh, I love the um I love the hutzpah from the sixth round Michael Gallup drafter.
5: Yeah, I I love Ma- Michael Gallup too. So I, I you know probably more more than I should. So I think a 6 round uh, price tag on him is is totally acceptable. Uh, the one, Dave the one guy I just I, I just can't wrap my head around it is Darius Guys. We've talked early and often about how we don't like Darius Guys and his price tag. Uh, I'm just surprised to see him go this high on a high stakes draft. I think. Everything has to go right for guys in order for him to be this valuable, uh, including just staying on the field. Um, he's been he's been hurt uh, pretty much every year uh, that he's been at the NFL, and it hasn't been a lot of years that he's been around. He's only been a couple years. Uh, he's been around a couple years, but I just I can't see this one. I'm sorry.
4: Yeah, uh, I mean, guys is of of players who are routinely drafted in the top 100 players. It's very. Uh, it's very unlikely that I will have zero shares of a player, right? That uh, yeah. that I will that you will go through, you know, drafting two hundred, three hundred, four hundred teams or whatever and truly not have anyone. I'm not gonna draft Darius Geis at all. Maybe maybe I'll draft Darius Geis in like the fifteenth round or something, but like I would rather I would rather have Adrian Peterson for free. Mm-hmm. Um I would rather have uh, Antonio Gibson in the tenth round, eleventh round. Like I would literally rather have those guys than uh, than than Darius Geis in the sixth round.
5: I think people the only the understanding for me is people just fell in love with this college football season. Uh, that, that's 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 really it. That's the, the only thing that you can say. It's a positive for Darius Geis. Um, there's a million running backs in the in in the Redskins offense. Uh, and he's often hurt. I just, uh, I'm not, I'm not really seeing it. I'm not really seeing it, Davis.
4: Yeah, I, I, uh, I also am. Uh, I also am, not really seeing it. So some of the, uh, some of the other interesting picks. So we took Kyler Murray at the seven oh seven. I, I love it. I love actually getting mm. a really solid rushing upside quarterback in the mid rounds. Not something that I would have felt in years past, but something that I think is cause like like once you okay, Lamar, Mahomes, Dak, Kyler, Deshaun, Russ, Josh Allen. And then after that, you know, the quarterback upside in terms of rushing, I mean it, it falls off a cliff. You go from Josh Allen to Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan. Like there is uh there is a real drop off in ceiling for these quarterbacks. Are you are you on board with the mid round quarterback?
5: Oh no doubt about it. Um I was selecting Dak in, in all the drafts I could, and and that was um, in in Dynasty. So I, I mean, in something like this, I would have absolutely no problem uh, selecting a, a quarterback of of Kyler Murray stature in in like in in this round. Absolutely, I think um, Dak against Murray is a a legitimate uh, like a legitimate conversation uh, this year, and I'm I'm in love with Dak. I pretty much have selected him in every draft that that I've been a part of.
4: Yeah, Dak is, uh, Dak's the best. Kyler's the best. These dudes are, uh, these dudes, uh, these dudes are awesome. Okay. We, we complete the stack. We take Christian Kirk a little bit ahead of ADP. We take him in the eighth round. So, uh, our first eight picks, Travis Kelsey, Josh Jacobs, James Conner, DJ Moore, Cam Akers, Evan Ingram, Kyler Murray, feeling pretty good about Christian Kirk as your, as your wide receiver too, right? Like where we like, I know this is a little bit early for him. This is later than his ADP last year. And yep. I know he did. He ran very bad on touchdowns last season. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I Kirk is still a guy I'm really trying to invest in this year.
5: I don't really have any problems uh, with Christian Kirk being drafted here. Uh, he's not going to be wide receiver one. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is now in town. Um, you know, so perhaps the ceiling uh, gets a little bit hurt. Uh, But in general, Davis, I I have more positive things to say about Christian Kirk that I have negative things to say. So I I don't have a problem with this pick.
4: Yeah. Uh, Okay. some of the other interesting picks in here. Jerry Judy goes pretty early. He goes at the 708. I'm not I'm not feeling good about that one.
5: Uh, that, that does feel early to me, uh, especially for a team that um, is, is really young, has a really young quarterback. Most of these pieces are really young, um, and they, they might be looking to establish the run, too. Um, so I'm not signing off on Jerry Judy. I, I love him as a player, uh, but I think uh, he might, might find it difficult um, to, to generate a big ceiling. Um, and at this point, I, I really wouldn't take him with, this, with that draft pick.
4: Uh, Tony Pollard goes at the nine oh four. Uh, I love it, right? I, I'm all on yeah. board on, on trying to get that Tony Pollard, that Tony Pollard ceiling.
5: No problem with Tony Pollard here and and that ceiling, absolutely.
4: Yeah. Uh, okay. Our ninth round selection, McCole Hardman. Uh, we're we're doing we're doing windmills on McColl Hardman <laughs> in the uh, in the ninth round.
5: Absolutely, and I know that I know that's your guy, Davis. So I'm pretty sure that uh, that you were really excited to draft him. I'm, I'm assuming that you you knew you were going to get him here, like you knew no one else was going to select them around around uh, I you, mean,
1: right?
4: You no. Know, so if you if you look at some of the other wide receivers, first of all, this is a range where people stop selecting wide receivers and start mm-hmm. taking running backs. So you know we like McColl more than Manny Sanders. We like him more than Ceedee Lamb. Like him yeah. more than Darius Slayton, more than Jamison Crowder, Justin Jefferson, Deshaun Jackson. Uh, like, like, I think McCall Hardman is the best wide receiver that goes from rounds nine all the way until round twelve when Antonio Brown and Anthony Miller go.
5: Um, yeah, I mean, I, look, even if I argue it with you, there's just no way I'm gonna win this one because I know Yeah, there's Hardman no, there's no, there's no dude.
4: arguing here.
5: There's no arguing here, so uh, you get your guy where where you got him, and, and that's you know that that's totally fine. I'm sure you guys were really happy. Um, wanted to ask you about your thoughts on Jamison Crowder. Not that he went too early or, or too late. Just wanted to to get your your general thoughts on him.
4: Uh, so I think my thing with Crowder is he's a really good floor option. Yeah, it's just that uh, it's just he never like how, how when when does this dude ever get uh, 1100 yards and eight touchdowns it just it just never happens right
5: yeah i uh, yeah it, it doesn't mean that it can happen but it hasn't happened um and I, you know can he really be a wide receiver one in an offense, is that sustainable is, is my other question. because I, I I don't I don't think so. I tend to agree with you. I think he's a a high floor option. Um, but the ceiling doesn't seem to be that high, in my opinion.
4: Um, I I think I think there's just no way he gets to that ceiling. Yeah, I, I yeah. agree. Like so so actually I think this is a great example of how people mess up their later round picks. Like, who would you rather have? Jamison Crowder or Antonio Brown? Like Sure, maybe Jamison Crowder gives you some good 11-point games on the bye weeks, but Antonio mm-hmm. Brown might score 220 PPR points if he signs for a team, so I would much rather have Antonio Brown.
5: Yeah, the, the, uh, so uh, understand where you're coming from. Antonio Brown, it's a really difficult conversation to have because if he doesn't get signed, like he's he's going to okay, generate 20, zero yeah. points for you. It's going to be a zero. Um, so that one's a difficult one, but if we're talking strictly ceiling, um and you're drafting Antonio Brown in the 12th. I mean, the, the person that drafted Antonio Brown got him in the 12th round. I mean, that that's just, that's unbelievable. That Like you said, he, he could legitimately be a 200-plus PPR guy easily if he gets signed.
4: Yeah, yeah, he, he really could be. So I would, I would rather take him. Some of the other selections we made that I felt good about. So we did the in-draft handcuff with Daryl Henderson. Mm-hmm. I like that, just being like, you know, I mean, maybe maybe Malcolm Brown ends up owning us on this one, but I like kind of having the the Rams lead back, sort of, no matter what. Also, get James White in with the uh, seventh pick of the eleventh round. Mm-hmm. Again, feel pretty pretty good, uh, Pacheco, about that one. Like, especially now that we know Sony Michelle might not be ready for the uh, for the start of the season. So, mm-hmm. uh, I I uh, I yeah, just I feel very good about that James White selection.
5: Yeah, I would feel very good about it too. I know, um, I know Tom Brady is no longer around in New England. Uh, I know you, you, could probably question, uh, you know, uh, how 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 relevant is James White going to be now without Tom Brady? Uh, but I think his role is not going to change. Uh, James White is definitely going to be in there in, in uh, passing down situations uh, because that's that's who he is. He's not going to be a gold line player. He's going to be someone that is going to catch a lot of passes. So um, I. I love this pick, uh, in, in the 11th round for you guys.
4: Yeah. Um, so kind of, kind of rounding out the rest here, Anthony Miller, Mike Williams, feel good about those. Get mm-hmm. Damian Harris to back up that, uh, to get, get Damian Harris to back up that James White selection. And then Curtis Samuel goes in the 16th round. I mean, this dude was going in like the sixth round in these last year. Feel, feel pretty good about that.
5: Uh, yeah. So you get DJ Moore and, uh, Curtis Samuel, huh? You guys yep. must be feeling pretty good about that pairing.
4: Yeah, feeling feeling pretty good about the Carolina passing game.
5: And and understandably so. I, I didn't think that Curtis Samuel had like good year or anything like that last year, but I, I think uh, I think he could have a much better year uh, this time around, especially with Teddy Bridgewater uh, under center. I, I mean, last year Davis Carolina the Carolina passing game was just it was just a disaster. Um, obviously Cam was non-existent because he was hurt. Um, then they bring Kyle Allen. He, he just wasn't very good. And even then, DJ Moore still had a big year. So that just goes yeah. to show his talent level.
4: Yep. Um, all right, everyone. Thank you very much for watching and listening to the show today. We will continue to pump out the top-notch content. And uh, we will be back next week with uh, with even more. Good luck, everybody.
6: DailyRoto.com
3: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level –